Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hey, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, a podcast that talks about money, how to make it, how to keep it, how to invest it, and why use a team. And I always bring somebody in one of those categories here to our podcast every Friday for you to listen and not only get educated, but to take some action that is gapped in your life, meaning you don't have it. And uh, today I have Marie Burns with me over 20 years in financial planning, really hones in and works with women, uh, an amazing author of lots of best-selling books. And she's we're here with us today to share her insights. So Marie, welcome. Thank you, Laurel. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. I love being your audience and I'm thrilled to have a chance to talk with your audience. I am too. And uh, again, this is worldwide. And so sometimes when we talk about a US centric thing, which is some you know, finance and taxes and structure around money. A lot of you internationals tune out and say, oh, this doesn't apply to me. In principle, it does. Everything that we talk about on the show, in principle, I've traveled this all over the world. It works. So Marie, talk a little bit first about your story. Like, how did you get here? What had you be a financial planner, do financial education? Well, for for one thing, a lot of times when I start to explain who I am and who I work with, um, I'm talking about working with women, and it's a very common question to say, why women? Um, I certainly work with couples, but it ends up being women for a lot of reasons, and one of them is statistics. So you talk about having audiences in other countries, and this applies really worldwide, is that we women tend to outlive men in our lives. We do. And so the statistics are are actually, I think, getting Worse, I guess, if we can look at it that way, 80% of married men, at least in the United States, die married versus 80% of married women die single. And then we add in the divorce statistics, which are definitely getting worse, right? About 60% of marriages in the United States end up in divorce. And now I'm reading that about one in four a fourth of the divorces are what they're calling gray or silver divorces. So women over 50 are starting to go through divorce. Yep. So the statistic that kind of shocked me way back when I started working um, as a certified financial planner with couples and uh, lots of women was that eventually 90% of all women will be solely in charge of their household finances. 90%. So whether you already are or likely will be from death or divorce, if you're in a partnership uh, currently, it's a likelihood that you're going to have to deal with money as a tool in your life. And so it's important to be aware of that, recognizing it and getting as comfortable and educated as you can uh, about the money side of your life. I think one big reason I specialize in working with women is probably just as a child watching my grandmothers, as probably many of us did, lose their spouse. One of my grandmothers was widowed in her late 20s. She had three young children. Of course, I didn't watch that. I was not there yet, but I heard about it. And then she went on to be widowed much later, typically as many are in their 80s. Another grandmother was widowed at the average age of a widow in the United States, 
57, which really? is a young age. <laughs> That's really young. It is. And so it happens, I think, more often than uh, we realize. But yep. again, whether it's death or divorce, that staff that 90% of us need to be uh, aware that we're going to be making financial decisions and using money as a tool. I remember even starting in yep. the financial services industry, I had couples coming in and they would, the husband would specifically say, we are looking for someone we can trust to take care of my wife after I'm gone. I mean, it was just like a known planned for <laughs> fact that a lot of couples were thinking about. And well, what's interesting about that is uh, that, you know, I teach a lot of generational wealth, as you know, and it's interesting because usually, you know, it is the man woman decision. Uh, and what's interesting, I just want to reinforce that is women, it's even more important, right? As I wrote in the, you know, my latest book just now about a year ago, May 10th, this is when it came out, is you know, this isn't really a kid's book, like Make Your Kids Millionaires. It's a parenting book. It's actually a parent and kid joint book. Um, because don't you also find that the women are really more the educator in the family? I mean, not that men don't do it, but what I find is that women had leaned into my book a lot more, lean into my work, because they are going to be the ones, if they're going to have generational wealth, whatever age it is, that they're widowed or divorced or however they are, they're the ones that are going to have to pass this down to the kids. Yes, I know. absolutely. And then the other thing, I just want to add to your statistics, because I think they're really powerful. And those of you watching the podcast, you can always come back and re-listen. Please subscribe to the, the podcast, share it with other people. Um, what, in your opinion, did COVID do to ramp up that the, the death rate, number one? And was it men or women quicker? I'm just curious if you know. And then the other side is before COVID, we were at about a 50% divorce rate now post-COVID. Now, can you say it's COVID related? I don't know. I think a lot of people had to come home and live with each other. And it's like, oh, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for, so I'm out. So I know the divorce rate's gone up uh, over 10%. Uh, but talk a little bit about the pandemic and how that's also really affected these statistics. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I am not sure about the death aspect, um, but I, I am sure that the retirement aspect, number one, it's like an extra million people retired uh, after that. And so um, there's, there's a lot of change then that goes into, and people are starting to realize, oh, life does come to an end, whether it's my retirement or my actual life. So there was a lot more focus actually on the estate planning side, the whole awareness of needing to plan for what if I'm in the hospital, I'm not gone yet, but I still need, you know, you talk about this with your generation planning too, is the whole estate planning, parts of attorney, legal documents. So the awareness and the interest, I think, in the whole emergency planning, estate planning, definitely became more of a teachable moment in a really horrible way. <laughs> yeah, that was. But that was a positive, I would say, that that really raised that awareness. There's, you know, a month or two out of the year where we focus on financial planning as a national theme and estate planning awareness. Um, but COVID really, uh, unfortunately, gave a lot more talking points to that whole uh, concept. It did. It did. So talk about women. And uh, just so all of you know, I mean, again, it's women, men, just different ages. Marie's got a beautiful website and has some free gifts. So we'll put those in the show notes later. Uh, but let's stay on just like when, uh, if a woman's out there listening or even a man, you're saying, well, I want to go lean into this as well. Where do you start? 
Where do you start with people that show interest? Uh, you and I have the same problem because, you know, we're in a similar category is I'll put it off and put it off and put it off. And then, you know, you never know your expiration date. You don't know of any events that are going to happen. So talk about some starting points and some, in your mind, critical steps. You know, the first thing is actually a mental exercise, I think. And this especially pertains to worldwide audiences because we all grew up in different places, didn't we? Economically, uh, culturally, whatever. Because the, the one thing that women, I think, especially, and it's kind of how our brain is wired. Men are very good at being compartmentalized in their thinking and their acting. And women are much more aware um, of a variety of things at, all at the same time. And I think it really helps us to think back. So this is the very first thing. Stop and think back about what is your money personality? Mm. Because there's two things that have typically shaped our money personality. And by money personality, everybody knows whether they've thought about it or not. Are you more of a saver or a spender? Are you kind of a nervous Nelly when it comes to money or making financial decisions? So we have this feeling of our comfort level, basically, with, with making money decisions. And the two things that most impacted how we are today with money, that money personality, is number one, our childhood, which we had zero control over. That's why I say internationally, you grew up in different households, different countries, different cultures, different economic statuses. And yet we've all heard that children are like little sponges yeah. concept. And that's exactly what happened even in developing our money personality. We had no ability to filter. We heard, felt, experienced, even had just the feeling of tense moments, conversations that were had or not had related to finances. And so that whole childhood experience definitely impacted who you are today from a money, money personality standpoint. And just recognizing that, I think I, I've met too many women over the years that feel guilty or um, like they didn't do a good job because they don't know as much as they wish they knew. That's a financial literacy issue, which we know is a global problem, including here in the United States. We just don't teach it like a life skill, which it is. But from the standpoint of experiencing what you experienced in childhood, that's not your fault. You couldn't control anything about your environment and your yeah. brain was not able to filter and say, oh, that was a good message. Oh, that was bad. Yes, this was dysfunctional. I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> we yeah. just were sponges and we have to recognize that. So number one, what was your childhood like? Acknowledge that. It's not that you're maybe glad about it or accepting it, but you're acknowledging it. Yeah. And then along those lines, I'll never forget one of my very first podcast guests. Her name was Sophia was telling about how she remembers when she was eight years old. She could hear her father trying to teach her mother how to balance the checkbook down the hallway. She was in one room doing something and she heard their voices escalate and getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, thud. She stuck her head out the doorway to see down the hallway, her mother lifting her head up off the dining room table, blood is running down her face. Her father had slammed her head down onto the table. She says, I was eight years old. And at that moment in my life, I vowed I would never rely on anyone else for the money in my life. So that's a very graphic, horrible childhood experience. We don't all have those extreme, hopefully, experiences. But it just brings me back to one of my whole concepts when I'm doing workshops and writing things and talking with women 
is to kind of tongue in cheek, and there's a bumper sticker that says this, remember that a man is not a financial plan. Yep. There's a great uh, women's institute. It's called wife.org, Women's Institute for Financial Education. These two women who are certified financial planners went through divorce and didn't like the experience overall and recognized again the need for financial education for women. They came out with this bumper sticker. A man is not a financial plan. Check out their I actually, I actually owned the trademark to a man is not a plan for a long time. Yeah, not okay. a financial plan, but a plan. That's awesome. Very good concept. So so the whole childhood thing I'm, I'm just saying is, is very um, impactful, more than probably even people realize. I remember talking with a woman in her 70s, and she recounted to me like she remembered it yesterday. When she was very young, they had a May Day dance at school. She had no idea that their family was not well off until this May Day dance. And her mother took her aside and said, we can afford to get you a new dress, but not new shoes. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, the May Day dance process was the girls all stood in a circle, put one of their shoes in the center, and the boys would come and pick a shoe. And whichever girls wearing the match, they would be the one they would dance with. Her shoe was the last shoe picked. And the boy that went to the middle picked it up by the lace and held it out with a straight arm as if he was holding a dead rat. She was so mortified. She said, from that moment on, I felt less and never good enough. And it took her forever to shake that feeling. You talk to people who lived through the depression as an example, you know, here in this country. I mean, that's another extreme, but even just small little incidences can impact you significantly, emotionally, from a money personality standpoint. So think about that for yourself and recognize it might make more sense now why you are like you are from a comfort level with money. And then the second thing that yep. really is helpful is based on some fascinating research and it's all about relationships. So think of the relationships you've been in with a significant other and they've categorized most couples, significant other, two people living together fall into one of three categories. One is the driver and passenger. And I encourage your listeners to think about where they are. And I love that. Yep. Three categories. That's so the driver thing. and passenger, just like it sounds, the driver knows everything about the finances, makes all the decisions, acts on everything, whether it's paperwork, phone call, meeting, et cetera, takes care of it all. And the passenger, nine times out of 10, not always, <laughs> the passenger is thrilled to be a passenger. And to not have to know about any of this money stuff. Yep. That's not always the case, but that is typically. But I want to I want to weigh in on that one, especially for those who you know have been in our our enterprise. And it's amazing to me how the passenger ha- is the naysayer when making a decision to get educated. Right. Um, I mean, you know about our big table, you know about our education and what we do over here. And it's amazing to me how the driver like literally is submissive when it comes to making a decision to spend some money to say, our family is going to learn this. And the passenger who's scared to death, doesn't want to learn all of a sudden has to get on the road and be in like, you know, in a co-driver seat and they don't want to. And it's amazing how many lives and families are hurt because they let the passenger decide. So I just, I just want, I, we experience that every day, multiple times a day. Oh, my spouse won't let me like just that whole vernacular tells you you have childhood issues. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Don't let you. That's like a permission-based weird relationship. 
You know what yeah. I'm talking about. So I want you to weigh in on that. Yes. And I, know we, I know we have two more categories to get to, but that one I think is also why our world is so illiterate because the passenger d- drives the driver and they're making yeah. decisions that they actually can't make. And the thing we have to distinguish though between the, the childhood and the relationship impact on our personality is the childhood, you had no choice. But now in a relationship, just what you're saying, you have a choice. Even if you are in a driver and passenger relationship, good news, there's two more categories <laughs> that you can evolve into that are much healthier. And the research shows that one of these actually survives the best than if one of them is suddenly out of the picture. So the second category is the joined at the hip couple. Both members talk about all things financial, make decisions together, very aware of everything, but there's still just one that usually is the doer. Yep. Makes the phone calls, fills out the paperwork. So at least they're both aware, but one is still taking all of the actions. So then the third category, which is the one that they find to be the healthiest for a variety yep. of reasons, is the divide and conquer couple. No surprise, they're just like the joint at the hip. They talk about it all, make all the decisions together, but then the difference is they split the duties. Maybe one does all the banking and the bill paying and the other one takes care of investments and insurance, as an example. So no surprise when, this is not if, when one of them is gone, for whatever reason, death or divorce, the survivor only has 50% more that they have to have taken care of now dumped in their lap. Those other two categories, it could be 100% all new everything, knowing and doing on someone who's never had to deal with it before. So the good news is it's a choice. I do workshops and I, I either, a lot of times I have women who are the driver and they're worried sick about their passenger spouse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're there to get prepared. So there's less to repair later. Or we have pa- a lot of passenger women coming because they're getting the message, don't be a passenger. It's much more stressful if you suddenly have everything dumped in your lap. I think a lot of times we're seeing parents and grandparents experience that after the loss of one of them. And it's just so much more stressful and difficult and less prepared uh, when that happens. So it's good to, to realize where you are. I've had women tell me they've been in all three categories over the years, depending on the relationships. But to at least recognize, okay, if I'm a passenger and I'm pleading with you, listeners, do not be a passenger. Ever. Try to shift to at least the joint at the hips so you're at least aware and having conversations. Um, and then certainly ideally is the divide and conquer. Sometimes you don't have a cooperative passenger and you have to be the driver and you're stuck in the situation you're in. Uh, but yep. at least acknowledging where you are helps you move forward. So that's the whole uh, you know, next part of your question is, okay, but what do I do right now? How do I move forward? And really, once you understand how you are with money, your next move forward is, well, I need to understand my situation first. You need really to take what I call a financial inventory. What do I have? And too often when I'm talking with folks about this, they feel like, well, I know, and they could kind of start ticking things up. It's what do I own and what do I owe? You know, the whole net worth concept. But the detail of it is they're usually forgetting something in that big picture. And then the detail of, and how is that titled? How do you own your home? How do you own those bank accounts? Who are your beneficiaries on your 401k? That detail 
is totally not in recollection or maybe was never dealt with. So just compiling mm -hmm. it. And that's one of my checklists that I came up with is a, it's a net worth summary that you literally in one place can see everything you have and the detail of it. And I it usually that. gives you yep. a huge realization that you have some homework to do. And I've worked with enough widows and women who've gone through divorce to realize half of them thought the husband was taking care of it. And he thought he was taking care of it. But you know, Laurel, one of our favorite things in this industry to recognize is that we often don't know what we don't know. Well, and, so and, they, and, they, and they don't know. They think that the paperwork's just going to get done or someone did it. And they, the worst, even regardless of which category of driver, passenger joined at the head for divide and conquer, I still, there's an, there's a, I say a umbrella over all of them that also use this, my financial planner's handling it, right? I know you've been in that box before. My lawyer's handling it, my accountant's handling it. So I just can sit back here as a passenger in my life. I see that all the time. And it's not that you can't trust those people, your insurance, financial planner, your lawyer, your account, all the people, but who's actually dotting the I's and crossing the T's? Who's, who's, where's the playbook in your life or your family? And that's, you know, why I'm so passionate and excited about having you uh, in this, in this conversation. Marie, I want to, I want to switch to a little bit of tools around emotion mm -hmm. and like the, the fear, like what are some of the, the tools that your favorite tools to work on that emotion. You know, I always say when, when I don't care if it's a man or woman, when people say I have a, a relationship problem with money, fear about money or money's risky to me, like all those negatives, I say, let's just put a whole new word on there. I don't know. You lack knowledge. So how would you, uh, and now what do you do? I'd say get educated, read, get informed, uh, be a leader of your finances and your business. What do you say? Yep, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely an education um, focus. I think the biggest challenge for most folks um, and women especially is the whole where do I start and um, everybody learns differently right some people are auditory learners some are hands-on some are visual um, but that's really when I I couldn't find I couldn't find tools that I'm just a cut to the chase and tell me what to do person you know and I think a lot of people that want to take a step forward just want to know what's the next step forward I want to read a gazillion books I don't have to take a bunch of classes right I'm ready to start start moving forward and so that's where my whole, I'm a checklist person in general. And so I've designed some checklists that basically help you say, okay, I'm in this phase of life right now. I just yeah. lost a spouse or mm -hmm. I'm going to be getting married and I want this to go well, or I'm just getting out of school and I'm going to start my first job and I, I need to get myself on a good financial track. So what life stage are you in? Here's a checklist. Cut to the chase. Tell me what to do. There's 10. I, I started with this concept of before and after checklist, before you're married and after you're married, yeah. before you lose a spouse through death or divorce. And then after, because there's different things you should do. And it's, in my mind, these are in priority order. There's 10 before and 10 after. You can jump around and do what makes sense to you. Some might not apply, but they're in priority order. Start step one and do it. Then go away, come back. Oh, now you're on step two. What's that two sentence direction and some checklist to help you with those steps? So I've tried to really nutshell things. And of course, now bundles are the big thing. So I bundled some of these checklists. So you get one to three dozen checklists within each bundle. Um, but it's really meeting you where you are because I've got blogs and videos and workshops and checklists and books. So hopefully I'm reaching everybody with however they best learn. 
And so in the show notes below will be exactly how to reach or grab these checklists. Um, and they're, they're, you know, I'm coaching her on the other side saying, make it more expensive. Um, so I think she's given you amazing. I don't think so. I know. So I've seen them extraordinary value. And just like, I think this is the only book I really have like 87 things you got to do between zero and, you know, 20. So it's really my only checklist book, mine more little story based and, you know, application based. That's um, very comprehensive and very nicely done. Yeah, thank you. But her checklists are phenomenal. And uh, again, lean in and learn. A lot of you, you know about my YouTube channel. Uh, Marie will also put in the show notes. She has a podcast. Uh, so instead of moving away from this con conversation and binge, you know, Netflixing and Huluing and whatever else you do, like we have channels too. They're on YouTube. They're on podcast channels. They're a little different than kind of the, the stock and block where you go. Um, but you got to lean in and learn. So talk a little bit about the gifts they're going to get when they actually uh, click on the link. What are they going to do? Tell them what to do. Because uh, I always say, if you leave it to their own devices, they'll wander around. Tell them exactly what you want them to do, Marie. Yep, absolutely. Um, I have a, a free choose your, your before and after checklist offer for all of Laurel's listeners. So go to mindmoneymotion.com forward slash Laurel. It's mindmoneymotion.com forward slash Laurel. It's in alphabetical order because I know it's three words, but it's all about the more you take care of your mind and your body, the less you have to worry about money. That's what my website is, mindmoneymotion.com forward slash Laurel to pick your before and after checklist. You can also check out my website for all of the other freebies, checklists, bundles, videos, books, blogs, mm -hmm. um, and uh, follow me on Pinterest, Etsy, Facebook, Everywhere. Or subscribe. Subscribe is probably the best thing. Then it comes to your email once a month and get um, your reminder. Absolutely. Marie, thank you. It's been amazing. Might have to come back for a follow-up and dig into some of those checklists. Because uh, I know there's some controversy in the checklist. That's uh, just because as I read them and other people, and uh, I think I, I love controversial topics. And you and I could go back and forth from a pro and con about... You know, when do you do it? Why do you do it? Because there are some, I, I, here's my favorite. And I'll just kind of end with this. If you're out there saying, oh, this is all very general and it doesn't apply to me. So I have a very unique situation. Believe me, Maria, you've been doing this for over 20 years. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I'd say collectively with our mentors, we've got so much experience. None of, none of you are unique. There's a pattern to money and you usually fall, I always say within seven to 10 like patterns. I mean, there's unique things that might have happened to you, how you got here, like how you went bankrupt, foreclosed, divorced, like all of that's different. That might be unique, but the patterns are not unique to Marie and I. So uh, head to the show notes, click on the link, stay in touch with her. And with me, you know, go to asklaurel.com, A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L. Go to asklaurel.com, ask me any question, make a request, and I am here to help and serve you. We'll be back next week. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources for some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.